0: And welcome to The Secret Chord. The Secret Chord is a weekly podcast that explores spirituality through the lens of great music. Each week, we select different artists and delve into their work to unpack the hidden and sometimes overt transcendent richness of their sound and words. And without further ado, please enjoy this podcast. Hi, folks, and welcome to episode 46 of the Secret Chord podcast. This week, we bring you the music of the king, the king of rock himself, Elvis Aaron Presley, who was born on January 8th, 1935. Elvis was an American singer, musician, and actor. He's regarded as one of the most significant cultural icons of the 20th century, and is often referred to as the king of rock and roll, or simply the king. His high-energy interpretations of songs and provocative performance style, combined with a potent mix of influences across color lines during a transformative era in race relations, led him to huge success and, at first, a lot of controversy. Elvis was born in Tupelo, Mississippi, but moved to Memphis, Tennessee with his family when he was 13 years old. His music career began there in 1954, recording at Sun Records with producer Sam Phillips, who wanted to bring the sound of African-American music to a wider audience. Elvis played rhythm acoustic guitar, and accompanied by lead guitarist Scotty Moore and bassist Bill Black, was a pioneer of what's called rockabilly, an up-tempo, backbeat-driven fusion of country music and rhythm and blues. In 1955, drummer DJ Fontana joined to complete the lineup of Presley's Classic Quartet, and RCA Victor acquired his contract in a deal arranged by Colonel Tom Parker, who would manage him for more than two decades. Elvis's first RCA single, Heartbreak Hotel, was released January 1956 and became a number one hit in the United States. With a series of successful network television appearances and chart-topping records, he became the leading figure of the newly popular sound of rock and roll. Elvis is the best-selling solo music artist of all time and was commercially successful in many genres including pop, country, R&B, adult contemporary, and gospel. He won three Grammy Awards and has been inducted into multiple music halls of fame Elvis holds several records the most RIAA certified gold and platinum albums, the most albums charted on the Billboard 200, and the most number one albums by a solo artist on the UK Albums Chart, and the most number one singles by any act on the UK Singles Chart. In 2018, he was posthumously awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Today, All of our selections come from his album, How Great Thou Art, which is his ninth studio album released by RCA Victor in mono and stereo, February 1967. It was certified gold in 1968, platinum and double platinum in 1992, and triple platinum in 2010. The title song won the 1967 Grammy Award for Best Sacred Performance. Let's hear a selection from that album now. The song is called Where Could I Go But To The Lord, and it was written in 1940 by a guy named J.B. Coates, a songwriter from Jones County, Mississippi. The inspiration for the song came when some years earlier, when Mr. Coates was at the bedside of one of his dying neighbors, an African-American gentleman named Joe Keyes. Being a preacher, Mr. Coates had asked Mr. Keyes if he knew where he would go to spend the rest of eternity when he did. Mr. Keyes simply replied, Where Could I Go But To The Lord? Let's hear that song now. This is Where Could I Go But To The Lord by the great Elvis Presley. try alone to face temptation, so won't you tell me where could I God's own word That's a beautiful song. Now, Elvis had some strident critics. For instance, Jack Gold of the New York Times wrote, Mr. Presley has no discernible singing ability. His phrasing, if it can be called that, consists of stereotyped variations that go with the beginner's aria in a bathtub. His one specialty is an accented movement of the body, which many people did not like back then, including the great Frank Sinatra, who had inspired both the swooning and screaming of teenage girls in the 1940s, he condemned this new musical phenomenon. In a magazine article, he decried rock and roll as brutal, ugly, degenerate, and vicious. It fosters almost totally negative and destructive reactions in young people. It smells phony and false, It is sung, played, and written, for the most part, by cretinous goons. This rancid-smelling aphrodisiac I deplore. That's pretty intense. Asked for a response, Elvis said, I admire the man. He has a right to say what he wants. He's a great success and a fine actor, but I think he shouldn't have said it. Classic. Love that response. As a teenager... Elvis's musical interests were wide-ranging, and he was deeply informed about both white and African-American musical idioms. Though he never had any formal training, he had a remarkable memory, and his musical knowledge was already considerable by the time he made his first professional recordings in 1954 when he was 19. When his future collaborators Jerry Lieber and Mike Stoller met him about two years later, they were astonished at his encyclopedic understanding of the blues. And, as Stoller put it, he certainly knew a lot more than we did about country music and gospel music. At a press conference the following year, he proudly declared, I know practically every religious song that's ever been written. And in this tune, he sang, Living below in this old sinful world, Hardly a comfort can afford, Striving alone to face temptation, So now won't you tell me, where could I go but to the Lord? I really like the simplicity of many gospel songs. They are often refreshingly free of the tortured intellectual analysis that accompanies much spiritual investigation. For the record, I certainly think rigorous exploration is also very important. But simple faith is a beautiful thing, and simplicity itself is a beautiful thing. The patriarch Jacob from the book of Genesis was described as a simple man who dwelled in tents. He was also considered the greatest of the patriarchs and a spiritual giant. When you know something very clearly, it's simple to you. In science, this is called elegant, and the more elegant to a formula or equation, the more compelling and accurate it is considered. In addition to his diverse musical interests, Elvis, like many musicians, was a spiritual seeker. He delved into numerology, the science of numbers. It intrigued him, for example, that seven shows up so frequently in religious symbolism. He became fascinated by the Greek philosopher Pythagoras, who had founded a university based on the esoteric aspects of mathematics. He also became fascinated by esoteric meanings in his own name, Elvis was such an exotic name. Where did it come from? With the help of his spiritual advisor, Larry Geller, he found that L traced back to ancient times, a cross-cultural phenom that conveyed the meaning of light or shining and was used in Hebrew, for instance, to connote God. The discovery of a connection with Hebrew held deep significance for Elvis for reasons he wouldn't divulge to Geller or anyone else until the year of his death. He began to wear a Chai pendant, the Jewish symbol for life, in addition to his customary cross. He also made a spiritual connection with Deborah Wally, his co star in a film called Spinout, filmed and released in 1966. I am not a man, he told her. I am not a woman. I am a soul, a spirit, a force. I have no interest in anything of this world. I want to live in another dimension entirely. Does that sound like something Elvis said? It's wild. It's also pretty deep. There was a Talmudic sage named Ben Azai who achieved enormous insight into the spiritual dimension. It's recorded that he quote-unquote gazed and died. This wasn't a punishment, Rather, he was so enthralled at what he came to understand there that he just didn't want to leave. All of us crave this kind of understanding. We recognize that the world is a deeply confusing and often unsettling place, and we long to understand it better and to understand our roles here. This is a basic human need, and the next tune deals with just that, the process of coming to understand things better and better. Let's hear that tune now. This is By and By by the great Elvis. Understand, all the ways God will lead us to the blessed promised land. He will guide us with His eye, and we'll follow till we die. And we'll understand it better by and by, children. Snares often take us unaware And our hearts are made to bleed For some thoughtless word or deed And we wonder why the test When we try to do our best But we'll understand it better by by. Beautiful tune. You know, despite his many critics, many also thought that Elvis had a fantastic voice and style, and not one that was just suitable for pop music. One noted on Don't Be Cruel, Elvis slides into a mmm that marks the transition between the first two verses. He shows how masterful his relaxed style really is. Another describes the vocal performance on Can't Help Falling in Love as one of gentle insistence and delicacy of phrasing, with the line, shall I stay, pronounced as if the words are as fragile as crystal. Yet another attempts to pinpoint something. The warmth of his voice, his controlled use of vibrato technique and natural falsetto range, the subtlety and deeply felt conviction of his singing were all qualities recognizably belonging to his talents but just as recognizably not to be achieved without sustained dedication and effort. And those who were there at the recording sessions realized that something extraordinary was going on. When Elvis sang the title track, How Great Thou Art, Jerry Schilling was stunned. He said, when we got to the dramatic finish of the song, there was a strange hush in the room. Nobody wanted to break the spell. I've been in a lot of recording studios since my time with Elvis but I've never seen a performer undergo the kind of physical transition he did during that recording. He got to the end of the take, and he was white as a ghost, thoroughly exhausted, and in a kind of trance. Okay, now let's move on to today's feature. Off the same album, this is a song called You'll Never Walk Alone, once again by the great Elvis Presley. At the end of the storm is a gold sky and the sweet silver soul of And go, Gorgeous. That tune really gets me. Let's start with the lyrics here. He sings, walk on through the wind, walk on through the rain, though your dreams be tossed and blown, walk on, walk on, with hope in your heart, and you'll never walk alone. You'll never walk alone. Now, loneliness is one of the great ills of our times. A 2018 Cigna survey showed that 46% of Americans always or sometimes feel alone, and 47% feel left out. One in four rarely or never feel that there are people who really understand them. 43% feel that their relationships are not meaningful and that they are isolated from others. 54% feel that no one knows them well. This is a huge spiritual, social, and moral problem. As the book of Genesis attests, it is not good for man to be alone. Why exactly do people need others so much? From an evolutionary perspective, wouldn't it have been much better for people to be able to function successfully and happily without others most of the time, especially after childbearing age? Salmon, mosquitoes, and fir trees seem to do just fine independently. Why are we so debilitatingly needy? It's a big topic, but for now, let's just suggest that all souls are looking to exist in that higher dimension Elvis mentioned. When we make a real connection with another soul, we get a taste of the ultimate connection to the soul of souls who some choose to call God. It's that supreme connection that is the greatest conceivable salve to our loneliness. And that loneliness is ultimately due to the lack of connection to that ultimate source. When we come to realize that in truth we are never walking alone, we take a step on the road of happiness and one step off the road of loneliness. These are my thoughts on the great Elvis, his music, and his spirituality been a pleasure speaking with you. And as always, we look forward to being back next time with more music and more ideas. Thank you for listening. Please consider leaving a comment or a review to help us spread the word. And please subscribe to the podcast on any of the major podcasting platforms. To support us, please visit our Patreon accounts. And if you'd like to communicate with me directly, please feel free to email me at a.jacobs@h.com. The Secret Chord is produced and engineered by Naora Cohen.